as most of you know, we are doing Musar in Midrash. And Musar is practical steps to sanctification from a Jewish perspective. But I've been reading a Musar rabbi, a guy named Eliyahu Dessler. He got out of Eastern Europe or Germany, I don't remember which, just before World War II. Went to London and there he spent the war years and did most of his writing in the 40s and the 50s. He has a three-volume set called Strive for Truth that I've been reading for quite a while. And one of his little discourses is a discourse on loving kindness for his said. And as I was reading it, the way he said things made something that Yeshua said just all of a sudden come alive to me. You know, you read things over and over and over again, and you think you understand them. And as I say, as I read this, it was like, oh, that's what's going on there. And I had never seen it before, and I hope to be able to share it with you. This little discourse on loving kindness that he's got, he says that everybody in the world is either a giver or a taker. And there's no in-between. Everybody's one or the other. The way he describes takers is thieves, swindlers, people who seek unfair advantage, even people who don't really do any damage to anybody else, but they see things that are outside of themselves, and that's what they desire. They see the world as a zero-sum game, which is to say, if you have it, that means I can't have it. And everything is divided up that way. They're hungry. But unlike being hungry for food, they're never satisfied. So we all know of people, or perhaps know people, who gain wealth and so forth, and they're never happy. The Bible says that who loves money will never be satisfied with money. The good that they do, and they do do good, is motivated by power and recognition. I'm going to give X number of dollars to charity and then I'm going to stand up and I'm going to get an award for it and I'm going to be celebrated and so forth. So the motivation for the good that they do is actually a motivation for taking as opposed to a motivation for giving. The other side is givers and they don't worry about possessions and so forth. Most of you are probably too young. Anybody remember the musical Porgy and Bess by George Gershwin? There's a song in there called I've Got Plenty of Nothing and that was resurrected during the 60s by a group called We Five and I'm not going to try and either sing or repeat all the lyrics but I got plenty of nothing and then there's a line in there is folks with plenty of plenty they have a lock on the door they're afraid somebody's going to rob them while they're out getting more. And the attitude there is this guy doesn't really care about worldly possessions. He's only caring about spiritual things. And another line for it is the things that I prize like the stars in the skies are all free. Sounds very 60s, you know, the generation of love and what that was was confusion of sex for love. Everybody was into love but what they really wanted was sex. and. That was sort of a pathology of the 60s, that, oh, I don't care about anything, possessions don't mean anything to me, when actually if you watch what they actually do, that you found that possessions had a great deal to them. But they had these high-sounding, pious things that they said about themselves. 
So the point that Dessler is making is the idea of not being encumbered by possessions is something that we value. We value that idea even though we don't actually live by that idea. So we're made in the image of God. And God, of course, is a pure giver. There's nothing that you can give God. I mean, he doesn't really want any of your stuff because all of your stuff was stuff that he made and he gave it to you. If he'd wanted it, he'd have kept it himself, right? So the idea that our image is to be givers, since we are made in the image of God, everybody's got inside of them the spark of giving. And it always comes out. So, for example, most of us want children. And when we have children and they're young, we give to them. For those who don't have children, it's sort of a cliche. We have pets. Lots and lots of people, especially as they get older, will get pets because there's this urge to give. For those who get married, there's this urge as you're coming together to give to each other. And by the way, the thing that eventually messes up marriages that get messed up is this initial urge to give to each other, which God put in you, gradually changes to an urge to take. In other words, wait a minute, I want this from you. You're my wife or husband, and I have a right to expect X, Y, or Z from you. And when the attitude changes from giving to taking, then things start to go south. And so it's very hard for us to maintain this attitude of giving all the time because we have this part of us, which the rabbis call the yetzer hara, the evil inclination, which is self-focused and taking. In other words, if I give, that means there's less for me. So the insight that Dessler gave to me, and, and I'm sure it's not unique with him, is the thing that we love is the thing that we give to. And the question he asks in this little vignette is which came first? Do we give because we love or do we love because we give? And what his assertion is, and with which I agree obviously, I wouldn't be saying it, is we love the things that we give to. Giving engenders love. And he uses as an ex his example God, because God is a pure giver. And so he started giving, and he started making things, and he put us in it. And from the giving that God does for us, then flows the love that God has for us. So if giving leads love, as opposed to the other way around, the obvious thing for the world is, gee, there's something I like, so I'll give to it, right? Not the way it works. It's the other way around. So his example is from Deuteronomy 50. There's a commander standing up in front of the army. And he's saying, all right, everybody that's afraid, go home. Everybody who has built a house but has not lived in it, go home. Everybody who has planted a vineyard but has not drunk of the wine, go home. Everyone who has married a wife but has not yet consummated the marriage, go home. What Dessler says is, 
every one of those categories, all three of them, involves something that you invest in. So when you build a house, you put something of yourself into the house. You plan it, you decide how you want it to look, you decide where all the stuff is supposed to go. There is a giving of yourself of building this house. Similarly with a vineyard. It, obviously a vineyard is a metaphor, but what you do is you take a piece of land and you work it and you cultivate it and you plant things and you defend the vines and all that kind of stuff and again you've put something of yourself into this vineyard and what the Torah does is compares the building of a house or the planting of a vineyard to the most intimate of human relationships which is marriage and it's saying in all three of those cases such a person should go home lest he die in the battle and he not be able to enjoy the fruits of his labor. So the idea there is you love your house, you love your vineyard and so forth because you have put something of yourself into it. In other words, you have given and that giving that you have done engenders the love that you feel for your house, your vineyard, your wife. That's the argument that he makes. Now, the other side is the Yetzir Hurrah, which is the evil inclination, the evil uh, impulse. And there, what you have is a hunger that can't be satisfied. And you have the idea of doing good for selfish purposes. And we're seeing that, by the way, that's running rampant in the country right now. The phenomenon of social justice warriors, where they go out and look for these imaginary injustices and they get all righteously indignant because they say that they are protecting somebody but what they're really doing is feeding their own hunger they're feeding their hunger for recognition they're feeding their hunger to feel good about themselves so they are doing good to feel good about themselves the problem is hunger like that can never be satisfied and again, I led off with the idea that he who loves money will never have enough money. That's where we get to Yeshua. Where I want to be is in Luke 6. So I'm picking it up at verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, to one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your coat, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do to them. And then skipping down to verse 35, love your enemies and do good and land, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. Now go back here to verse 35 again. Love your enemies and do good. Lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. Everybody see the contradiction in that phrase? It's completely contradictory. What he says is, lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. Well, wait a minute, if you're expecting nothing in return, what's this business about rewards? That doesn't make any sense. But, if you look at it from Dessler's perspective, 
which is to say you come to love the thing that you give to, then it makes all the sense in the world. Because what God is doing is he is saying, all right, I made you. I know how you work. I know what you think. There are no secrets in your heart from me. So I know that what's going to happen is you are going to operate based on self-interest. I made you that way. And what I'm going to do is I am going to use that self-interest to change you. I'm going to use what's called the evil impulse within you, and I'm going to use that evil impulse to turn you into something good. And that's what Yeshua is saying. What he's saying is, all right, folks, you got enemies, and your natural inclination is to hate them. Well, what I want you to do is I want you to do good to them. I want you to give to your enemy. Yeshua knowing that the thing that we give to, we come to love. So what I want you to do is just do the act of generosity, giving to your enemy, doing good to your enemy, praying for your enemy, all these things that I'm saying. What I want you to do is just do that. And you're going to do it out of self-interest because I told you to, because I've told you your reward is going to be great, right? Right? I told you you're going to get a reward. So okay, I'll do good to my enemies because I'm expecting a reward. My evil impulse is doing good because it wants something for me. But what God knows is that in the process of giving, you change and your enemy becomes something that you love because you have given to it. And so if you read this business in Luke chapter 6 and you have all this contradictory stuff in there, all of a sudden it just went dong. What God is doing is he is giving you practical Musar instructions, practical instructions in sanctification because again he knows how you're made and he knows that the thing that you give to, you come to love. And so at the end of the day, what he is hoping for you is that you will go through your life following these instructions and in that process you yourself will be changed. And you will then be someone whom it can truly be said, he doesn't care about possessions. Hofetz Haim, the guy that wrote the book on laws of proper speech, there's a story about him. He is regarded as one who didn't truly care about stuff, but he needed to support his family. So he opened a grocery store and made very, very sure that he was better than scrupulous in his business dealings. That all of his weights and measures were at least fair, and maybe if they were off, they were off in favor of the customer. All of his goods were the best quality. All of his prices were absolutely fair. And what happened was everybody started coming to his grocery store because you got the best quality food. The, the prices are always fair. You got a baker's dozen when you bought stuff. You all know what a baker's dozen is, right? 13 when you paid for 12. And everybody started coming to his store. And he said, oh, shoot, or words to that effect in Hebrew. What I'm doing is I am putting other grocers out of business. And I am, in fact, getting more money than I need. So then he said, all right, what I'm going to do is I'm only going to be open for an hour a day. 
because I figure in an hour a day I can earn enough to keep my family fed and I won't then take business away from the other grocers in the area. Well, that didn't work either because what people would be doing would come to his store and they'd be lined up and they'd be waiting to come in as he opened the door for his hour and they'd all come in and buy and they'd, oh shoot, that didn't work. So he finally closed his grocery store and went off and did something else because he was truly someone who had plenty of nothing. He was truly someone who had enough and was happy with what he had and was not driven by a hunger that could never be satisfied. And so what God is doing in scripture here is he is telling you behave this way and you will change to become what I would like you to be. And that's what Yeshua is talking about in this passage in Luke 6. Which, as I said, you get this pious, oh yeah, I'll do good, I'll pray for my enemies, yada, 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 that we all go through and not really understanding it. But when you understand what God is doing, it always makes perfect sense. I'll close with a Cherokee story. You know, when, when you start reading about something, you wind up finding it everywhere. You know, as you start studying something, you, you, you find stuff you're studying about in all sorts of random places that not even looking for. Well, I found this one. I don't know where I found it, but I did, and it showed up this week. An old Cherokee is teaching his grandson about life. A fight is going on inside me, he said to the boy. It is a terrible fight, and it is between two wolves. One is evil. He is anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. He continued, the other is good. He is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. Does that sound like the Yetzer Hurrah and the Yetzer Tov to you? The same fight is going on inside you and inside every other person too. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, which wolf will win? The old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed.